Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Jeremiah, we are going to be talking about trends. And I always, I always tell clients, if you knew who the winners were back in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, and even the 90s, how much more money you could make. But of course, the selection process is really hard. So therefore, I'm going to throw the, the offer to you. What is your crystal ball telling you right now? <laughs> What's going to happen over the next 10 years, right? Yeah, 10, 10 years. That's, I think, a good thing. Where are we going to be 10 years from now? Every year, there's people from Barron's or other publications that say, where will we be next year? Right. They put references on the, the S&P or the NASDAQ or the Dow. They're always wrong, of course. You know, it's it's hard to predict. So, you know, doing that ten times in a row to jump out ten years is, is even further. And a you know, good comment is we always work hard not to predict. You know, we just want to react. What's yeah, there. I mean, again, I, I think everybody wants to be able to predict. Everybody wants to have that winner in their portfolio. But ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you're not going to pick the winner. You're yeah. just not going to do that. But there are trends, right? There are trends. I mean, there's some things happening. And what we try and look at in this type of a thing to say 10 years from now is not, okay, this company is going to win. You know, Apple's going to do great or something because they may or may not. But to say, what are the the larger trends that our, our world, our economy, our country are going right. through that may take a while to play out, but may put us in, a, in an entirely different world 10 years from now? So, so some of the things we have a number of lists of these that we've, we've talked about and kind of thought about, but just to jump into some of them, I, I think the first one that I see that we've talked about is is medical. Right. Um, where we're at now compared to where we were ten years ago, I, I think kind of pales in comparison is where we're going to be ten years from now. Yeah, I think I think the themes are clear. Uh, gene sequencing is a is is almost a brand new frontier, yeah. but it but it's having some remarkable results. But it's not without its dangers, and I think that's going to be a trend. Yeah that is going to be more and more prevalent as we go down in the next 10 years yep. or so. And I think for any of these that we see, you know, any of these future items, you know, th- there's people who can say this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. There's others that see the 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 doom of how we're on the cusp of destruction. Right. Um, and, and there's an element of having to hold both of those at the same time. You know, e- each one of these categories we go through has some scary aspects. Gene therapy has some scary ac- attributes to it. I, I think I saw that movie, right? <laughs> Where people got mutated and whatnot. Um, but there's also some really exciting stuff. And, and what I think is great is the, the, the therapies they're coming out with, the gene therapies they're coming out with to treat and deal with things. Not, we're not talking about the you know, scientific in the womb you know, issues, but rather to say we can, we can treat folks for certain things by having their genes fill these gaps, yeah. which are phenomenal you know, that we yeah, can even and, do that. And there's... Um... I get a get a publication from City of Hope and the amount of genetic testing and research and development they're working on uh, in, you know, genetics. And and I think uh, what the positive impact is going to be in the hands of people that are healers that are really trying to do a positive outcome, um, you know, not only in cancer, but also in some really dreaded diseases where they can do some, you know, like sickle cell 
anemia is one mm-hmm. one area for the black community that they're doing a lot of research. Um, you know, diabetes, they're doing a lot of research and they're getting into the actual chromosomes. I mean, they're getting wow. in, you know, this CRISPR yeah. and they're cutting and splicing and such. And there's a lot of people think, you know, morally, is that is that correct or not? I mean, they're almost like a there is God. You're, you're almost doing a godlike, mm. uh, you know, interpretation of what's going on. And I I have a tendency to not be that extreme. Yeah. But I, I do look at. It could it could go awry. Right? Yeah, right. Where, where is this heading? The other aspect that's similar with medical um, in uh, a little away from the gene therapy, but also a lot of number of weight loss drugs that are coming out. Yeah. And you know, some of them aren't just the the, the the snake oil, take a pill. But but some are actually some really great developments. And one of them you mentioned you know, to be to treat diabetes, but it actually has a secondary aspect that, that it's great for weight loss. There, there's a comment in one of the articles read that saying 40 percent of Americans are currently considered obese yeah. and what that does to our health and medical system. And you know, as we move forward, how do we, you know, there's the, the what Kaiser Permanente has the, the preventative care model. Right. You know, how do we move into that? And then there's also the, the responsive care model, you know, something's wrong. But I, I think 10 years from now, medically, we're going to be um, in a brave new world of things we can do. And there'll be, you know, some risks, there'll be legislation, I'm sure, but there'll be some really wonderful developments. And so when you think of investing, you know, there's a lot of those companies that are going to do great. And what we are not looking to do here today is to pick, you know, three or four or five. Uh, when you get to biotech and some of these companies, it's really, really hard to pick a winner. Mm-hmm. And often people will say, just pick a category, you know, buy an ETF that that, that yeah, picks up everything. There's perhaps. thematic funds. And, and we want to caution people about jumping in too much because Anything that has that kind of speculation could potentially lose everything. Yeah. So you want to be really careful about the dollar amount that you put into it. But there's ways in which you can spread across your investment so that you're gathering a lot of the, the different um, research and development and the innovative uh, companies that are doing some yeah. things, right? And some is, is, is if you have a gap in that space. There's a number of uh, clients will call and say, hey, I heard about this. What do we think about adding that to portfolio? And oftentimes we'll look and say, well, you actually already have them or right. you have a competitors of theirs or you have that industry already. And so for a lot of people who are looking at their own portfolios to know if they have a well-diversified portfolio, they probably have exposure to a lot of these medical companies. And the question being, do they need, do they feel they need more exposure there? But but I think that's one area medical that 10 years from now, we're going to see some some great developments. And we're not going to talk a lot today, but I think there's also the, the secondary of medical delivery. That is going to change a lot in the uh, not the you know, the global sense, but in the the neighborhood by neighborhood. Right, how people can receive care um, at home. Um, yeah, telehealth. Telehealth yeah. has become a really big factor, and I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. Obviously, yeah. I mean, the cost of healthcare is continuing to rise, and they're trying to figure out how do we get better advice, better care, better treatment, and instead of having that one-on-one doctor and patient relationship, is there a better way to deliver that? So yeah, that's be more cost-effective. Another another big trend is I think we're going to see a, a movement away from China. Mm. China has become a environment where businesses are becoming less and less enamored with mm. that autocratic government. And one of the things that happened here in the last week is that uh, Modi, who came, he's the premier of, uh, of, of India, India and spoke before the joint session of Congress. Second time he's been able to do that. But there's a lot, a lot of buzz about uh, India versus China, yep. and India wants to be the new China, so to speak. And so, is that a mega trend 
that is going to have a tremendous amount of influence over the next 10 to 20 years, like China was back in the late 70s and early 80s, yeah. right? Well, there's a few pieces of India that are very exciting. So so one of them, uh, which I, I didn't realize, but as of, probably even after today already, but the India has been gaining on population compared to China. Mm-hmm. And I think I haven't checked it recently, but they've probably passed them. They have. They to, have. to be the, the now the largest population country in the world. Um, the other aspect that's really unique is that 40% of China's or of, of India's large population is under the age of 25. So they have a very young population yeah. where China is going the exact opposite. Their, their population is aging dramatically because of that one baby policy they had uh, starting decades ago is coming back to really haunt them. Yep. Uh, Japan is going through the same issue, not for that reason but because they just didn't have children post-World War II and it's it's really causing a dynamic shift in the aging of the population. Yeah. India doesn't have that issue. Yeah. They have a young population, they have a lot of folks there. The the other one that's in, that's that's a benefit is the infrastructure that they've worked a lot on their infrastructure and they have, you know, moving goods around, moving things is is much better than it's been in, in decades prior. And so they have a lot of, there's still some challenges though. You know, for India there's political challenges, you know, they they um, their, their system of how it will be over the next 10 years. They have, they have a lot of cultural issues. I mean, you have a caste system and um, they're not going to just, that's not going to go away. They are a democracy, but that also is mixed in with their culture. Yep. So things are slow there. Uh, mm-hmm. It takes a lot to get structural change. So the leader like Modi has been able to institute some things like banking and fintech that's been amazing. Yeah. They've done some things there that I think with lightning speed comparison you know, comparative other other changes they've tried to make and they haven't been able to do it. Yep. And even with some of those, you know, leapfrog technologies of, you know, jumping straight to cell phones and things like that, th- th- there's the con- continuing concerns of kind of climate and food. Right. Uh, with that larger population, you have to, you know, feed that population. And as climate's changing, you know, what impact will that have? Yeah. I mean, I mean, India uh, right now, they, during this uh, Russia invasion of Ukraine, Russia was looking for buyers of their oil. And India stepped up and said, yeah, we'll buy your oil. And they took it at a deep discount. India is not energy uh, independent. Uh, they're doing a lot in solar and other mm. you know, nuclear and things like that. But they still need fossil fuels and they don't have a large supply. They don't have really a ready supply of fossil fuels, oil and natural gas and things like that. So they they are become more vulnerable. So there are some weaknesses yep. within their structure. So. And so part of that, that thought is saying you know, investing in funds or or holdings that relate to India over the next decade may be a really good choice yeah, you know, as a macro yeah. trend. An interesting one for us, especially here in Southern California, is water. Yeah, uh, water is becoming more scarce. Um, the Colorado River, you know, feeds a lot of the Western United right. States, and you know, last few studies I've read, you know, it's getting drier and more shallow. Um, and and so the the question being, you know, where in the country and the world ultimately, but you know, immediately just in the country, is water um, being reallocated? And what development will be um, mitigated or expanded? You know, uh, Mexico, uh, New Mexico, uh, New Mexico, and Arizona. There's there's a number of building projects. There's areas are kind of booming, but there's been some slowdown because of the water. Yeah, area. I mean, there's a there's a future project of housing um, around Phoenix, and they're talking about a hundred thousand dollar hundred thousand homes. And the question is, where are they going to where are they mm-hmm. going to get the water to supply that number of homes? Yeah. So again, I think water—the word that keeps coming back again and again and again—it's uh, infrastructure. Mm. And infrastructure is going to be something that's going to be that we're going to see this a lot in the next ten years. So, yeah. you know, where we did the where we did the freeways in the fifties, you know, Eisenhower had the freeway system put up. 
I think we're going to see a lot of infrastructure when it comes to water. Yeah. And, and some of that may be government work. Some of that may yeah. be private enterprises. So you know, investing in companies that are engaged in solving some of these Those water issues, issues right. yeah, may, maybe have a lot of work over the next right. 10 years. Right. Um, one that you kind of mentioned here, and it's, it's relevant, is, is energy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it for India, but it, it's also for the United States. It, you know, the, the number of studies talk about, you know, about California, but also the United States moving to clean energy. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked probably a year ago of, you know, it's not just the, you know, we're going to shift away from this and into this, but looking at the reports, it, it's both and. Like yes, we need to continue all the not, energy we have. And or it's a combination. Yeah. Up, right? And add on all the re- renewables that we can. And, and as well as building the infrastructures, you know, we had talked about, you know, people having electric cars, you know, electric stoves, electric heaters, all the different electric items. And then even just locally, you know, in our, our power grid, we have a great electrical utility, you know, they're, they're a great system, but even with that, they struggle to keep up as right. people are needing more and more and more power as more things are running off of electricity. Right. And so the thought being, if, if we had just an instant conversion to electric cars, um, our, our infrastructure couldn't keep up. And so over the next say 10 years, as much as it's generating new sources of energy, you know, solar harvesting, um, wind harvesting, perhaps even nuclear, if that right. were to come about. I know you're- Nuclear is being talked more and more about that. And of course, there's been advances and changes on nuclear. Again, the biggest breakthrough, which they have not received, is fusion versus uh, fissure. Um, and I fission. think, um, yeah, I mean, again, I think that um, that breakthrough, if they were able to really cross that line and be able to have a fusion nuclear reactor, um, that would change. That would change the outcome. That yeah. would be a game changer for yeah. the world. But I think so. A lot of those space movies, yeah, you know, of of you know the world perpetuating these all sorts of different environments. If we have that type of breakthrough, scientific breakthroughs, it, it could be very meaningful. Yeah. But even short of that, you know, we're going to have energy is going to be a a tight commodity and a a changing commodity, and the infrastructure that goes with it is going to be meaningful over yeah. the next decade. Yeah. So, you know, companies that are engaged in energy itself as well as the infrastructure. I anticipate we'll have a, a lot of work. And one wild card we'll just kind of throw out as we kind of end this section, but but AI, you know, as, as artificial intelligence is coming in, you know, I'm not seeing, we're not seeing at the moment that that's its own in, in industry in and of itself. Right. You know, however, it's it's augmenting it's and touching changing. nearly every yeah. industry. I just read an article recently that was saying that Google's uh, stock was moved down a bit. And one of the, the drivers they were feeling was, less reliance on Google for searching and using artificial intelligence to do your search. I mean, searching is in the same way, right? It's right. creating, it's generating the the content. However, it was shifting away. And you know, whether Google's doomed, I, I don't I don't think they are. But but every industry, I think artificial well, I think intelligence industry is going to try and do catch up, right? I mean, all of a sudden they're going to be be caught uh kind of leaning back on their heels and thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, we gotta make we gotta catch up on this. Yeah. So it's it's going to be Again, I keep going back to that infrastructure. Everybody has to kind of retool. And in certain areas, there's going to be more retooling uh, than not, right? Yep, yep. So those are some larger trends we see. Some of the smaller ones, um, uh, part of it is nearshoring. We've talked about this a little bit of, as, as with the pandemic, these these long stretching supply lines became stressed. Right. And so there's a number of companies that, that don't want to have a factory halfway around the world, the world. They want to have it close to their backyard. And so with that, there's more, um, you know, rail transportation and things that are, that are in these near shore factories that we use those same systems for supply lines, but they may be shifting a little bit. So there's a dynamic there, you know, local transportation um, will be one. Uh, commercial real estate has not done, um, you know, there's people that might think it's doomed uh, with office space. It's not needed, but there'll be some dynamics there. And, you know, these ones, I, I'm not sure which way it's going to go, you know, but, but there are trends we're seeing is, is yeah. commercial real estate has had a shift. 
and it will probably continue to have a shift over the next decade. But but how exactly? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a trends I mean we're going to watch. Anyway, we're going to continue our conversation, and we're going to talk about future trends. And uh, we would like we'd like you to just come back to us, and we'll finish this up. Uh, we'll be right back. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the, uh, we're kind of talking about future. Uh, we're pulling out our crystal ball and we're trying to figure out where the major trends are. And one of the comments, I made it earlier in the first segment, but the word that keeps coming up in everything we're reading and all of the um, dynamics, it's called infrastructure. And apparently, not here, not only here in the United States, but all over the world, and there's going to be a lot of money that's going to be put into infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can, look at just about every particular sector and it has to be updated yeah. and there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be people that are gonna make a lot of money doing that yeah right right and i think the first one that jumps to mind is is the energy grid right and we talked about in the first segment segment a little bit and it'd be interesting of looking at how much of that is a public works project how much of that is simply contractors that yeah. work with public works um but you know across the country as we're moving um towards more and more electric items you know i, I think of it you know i, I have a Apple Watch, I have a phone, I, I plug all these things in overnight. Um, number of people now have electric vehicles that is is, is catching on. And, and so the, um, the amount of, of energy, electric energy that we're consuming is just on an upward trend. So the, the battery issue, and that, that's where I look at for automobiles, is that there has to be storage of energy that can be re-released at appropriate times. That's going to take pressure off the grid. But I, I think there's going to be inflection points where it's going to be difficult, right? It's yeah. going to be really hard on the on the entire grid. And batteries are expensive, and we've yeah. talked a number about you know, the different uh, raw ingredients that go into batteries. Yeah, lithium and, and, and going to make some giant, giant batteries for every neighborhood. Say, mm-hmm. you know, there's a big you know hub that has that. I don't know that it's feasible. You know, yeah. I don't know that that's a functional item. So there'll be some creative solutions, but there'll also be that the other infrastructure I think is medical. You know, we saw with COVID a lot of medical infrastructure issues. You know, people getting care and, and transition to care. Um, and as we have more and more people receiving care in different ways, that infrastructure is so different. I mean, I, I think of one that, you know, kind of ties the two, but, you know, information infrastructure, you know, I used to have a dial-up line. Um, I used to have no internet, of course, and they had a, a dial-up modem. Right. And then over the years, we had a cable modem. You know, it's, it's moved and moved and moved. And, and now even when we think of medical, of medical being able to communicate through telehealth items, you know, houses having broadband internet or having um, really high speed you know lines is becoming almost a, a necessity yeah um and that's an infrastructure that, that some places have naturally others don't we had a, a house we still live in that whenever it rained our internet would go out huh. you know, it wasn't us it was the whole neighborhood but there's some 
issue somewhere that when it got wet, it just stopped working. And uh, it's just a dynamic you know, that, mm-hmm. that we walked into. Um, so I, I think that's as the infrastructure is a big one. And the infrastructure is not just our country. Right. It's other countries. You can think of um, Brazil or some of these developing economies that are, you know, large, large economies. There's a, a big infrastructure push in Brazil for finance. You talked a little bit about the microfinance in India. Same thing is going on with Brazil of, of giving more and more people access to banking, um, access to micro lending, access to those things. And, and in the U.S., it's not as as big of a issue. We still have some unbanked populations, but there's a number of developing countries that that's a massive leap that they've had, and it's yeah, brought I mean, them the, in. Their their exchange of dollars is almost archaic in India, and up until there were some major changes within that, it changed the uh, transaction. You know, the transfer of money between the user, you know, the seller and the buyer. Uh, it was it was cash. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it was very, and there was always like a, a money changer there. They were taking a percentage mm-hmm. of it. So it was very expensive. And of course it affects the poor more than it affects the wealthy. And so the changes in the FinTech and how things were transacted changed dramatically. I yeah. mean, just even the delivery of public service money, yeah. you know, uh, what we refer to as social security and Medicare or something like that. Well, within India, they have systems like that. They have services like that, but it was, it was kind of controlled by these money changers. And what Modi tried to do is to get that out of the out of the loop, try to get that out of the system. And so that the people that needed that service or needed that money, the transaction cost became very, you know, very virtually zero, mm. you know, kind of like buying or selling stocks right now. It right. became it became a dramatic change and a shift in, yeah. in how that was working. Yeah. And I guess wrapping this whole thing together, you know, I see a brave new world. You know, yeah. of where we're going 10 years. I think you share that kind of the optimism. And I think there, there's a constant struggle we talked about initially is there's people who see doom in all of these. You know, yeah. they see doom and, 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 and concern and worry. And, and to take a balanced approach to both of these, but also to be um, part of that future, you know, not just mm-hmm. to watch it happen, but to be engaged in it. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways that people can get involved in either the local communities, but the, the, the larger world of, of having a hand in finding solutions and right. finding ways that that we build our new infrastructures, that we build our new um, kind of economies and communities of, of the future. Um, w- water is a big one here in Southern California. It's local to us, but um, you know, there's there's been developing I mean, even building any sort of building. They have all mm-hmm. sorts of water reclamation rules in California now. Um, it, it, it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And again, we have we have examples in other parts of the world on how best to use water and get the best. Um, um, you know. You know, I, I I look back at oil, for example. If you look at oil in the in the in the beginning of the eighties, the amount of energy that actually was used off of oil was 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 dramatically more. Mm-hmm. So now you look at a, a barrel of oil and what you can actually get done mm-hmm. with it as compared to what it was back in the early eighties. Yeah, miles per gallon for cars right. and, and, and like I that, yeah. and I think the same thing is going to happen with mm-hmm. water. You're going to get a much higher use of the same water. So the filtration systems, the recycling of that water the regeneration within the the groundwater, things like that, it's going to be different. They're not just going to let it run off. They're going yeah. they're going to treat it and bring it back into the system so that we're going to get better use of the water that we need. And again, we're sitting on next to the biggest body of water in the world. Mm. And uh there is there are places that are doing that. Desalinization, yeah. it's going to get better and better. So I I I I feel positive, not yeah. a negative to that. Yeah, where we're headed. It's great. Yeah. Well, if you missed any part of this episode, you can go on our website, retirementunlimited.com, and you can find the rest of the episode. You can also find us on YouTube. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening.
Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.